Well, good morning, church. Good morning. You notice how I kept that singular? Yeah, that's a capital C church. And we've got everything in common needed to unite us. And my name is Pastor Rob. Uh, this is the first time I've done a tradition twice at Faith Baptist. Um, so I kind of knew a little bit what to expect. Um, though um, I don't always co-preach often. So we're going to ask permission to treat this a little more like an open Bible study than a sermon as Pat and I look into the Word together. And Pat, you want to introduce yourself? I'm, uh, I'm Patrick, Pastor Pat. Um, you know, I, Rob, just to let you know, if I fall over, it's because my stool, I took the weaker stool. Oh, I, uh, uh -oh. I see that. It's, it's just, it's just that. So anyway, I was trying to be thoughtful. I thought, you know, Rob's got a couple inches on me and uh, I'll let him take the, the stronger Take one. the fall for me. Yeah. So anyways, uh, we are, this is really first time for me as well. I've never done a co-preaching before. But it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, we just want it to be kind of a casual conversation, sort of. Um, just two pastors preaching, right. while talking through the scripture together. So it's going to take a little different flavor than what we're probably all used to for a Sunday morning. But I think that's good. Uh, we get stuck in routines that we don't need to. But anyways, um, yeah, I think... Uh, Why don't we, uh, we get started, you think? Sure. So I'll introduce our topic today. It's out of Psalm chapter 1, and that's a special psalm for both Pat and I. Um, I remember I was 18 years old, and I went to a church service that changed my life. This, uh, this could be that for you. You never know how God wants to speak to your heart, but I was 18 end of my senior year of high school and I visited my uncle's church and the pastor had all the scripture memorized used that morning. He went about 10 or 15 minutes through a couple chapters personalizing it a bit to the point that I couldn't tell if he was reciting scripture or not. And then his thrust at the end of the sermon was that we need to be abiding in God's word. And he mentioned Psalms 1 about being rooted in it. And um, I still remember the line that gripped me as an 18-year-old where he mentioned that Satan is trying to hit you with everything you've got and he hates you and he hates the church and he hates God, he hates your family. And then he raised his voice, which I didn't expect. <laughs> and I still can hear that voice today where he said, what are you hitting them with? And he proceeds to say, for a person to go through life without a sword in their hand is beyond me, he says. If you don't have the word of God in your life, as we see today, you're going to drift compared to delighting in God's word and being deeply rooted in it. And that's... That's my story for Psalm 1. Go ahead, Pat. So, Psalm 1, you know, like 
like Rob said, it's, it means something to both of us. That was, I was probably, I don't know how old exactly, it was a teenager, and it kind of hit me. I think I just started high school, and it hit me, you know, I claim to be a Christian, but I don't know anything about the Word of God. I don't really know what's in it. I, I mean, I know stories that have been told, but I don't know God's Word. And if I claim to be a Christian, I should probably know something about what I'm claiming to be truth. And so I decided to start reading it. And I uh, started reading, I forget exactly which book first, but eventually I came to Psalms, and I decided Psalm 1 was actually... I, I hate to say it, but I, I decided I was going to try to memorize the whole book of, of Psalms. <laughs> I got as far as Psalm 1. <laughs> Maybe Psalm 2. <laughs> but Psalm 1 was, uh, it, it really, it changed things for me. I, I can't say that I became the perfect Christian after memorizing Psalm 1, but it started me on a journey. It started me on a path of learning and understanding God's word and looking deeper than just the surface because that's easy to do. We can just open the word and read it and not really go deep in it. But this psalm is all about depth. It's all about taking root in God's word. Uh, and that's really, I guess the change for me was just starting to understand that. Starting to understand that God's word is really important for us to take in. Uh, and the psalm is, it's this idea, it's contrasting between the, the man who is righteous and the man who is wicked. And these two are very different from each other. They go through similar things in life, maybe the same exact things in life, but the end result is extremely different on how they handle and what happens. Yeah, I'll jump in there if that's all right. Yeah. So the psalm has a key illustration of a tree and... I love that when God created the world, he wasn't then surprised saying, I wonder what analogies I can use to communicate myself, right? But he knew from the beginning. And so his illustration of a tree, we've got a big one right here if you want to look at it. Yeah. He's doing pretty good. Now, if you look over, we have 10 stumps, okay? Not doing so good. So this Psalm is about being a tree but a certain type of tree. And we'll see what makes the difference between those stumps and these ones that continue to thrive. So as we get started, would you be willing to pray for us, Pat? Sure. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this time in your word together. Lord, we ask that you would help us to have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would bless your word to us as we take it in, that it would be more than just words, more than just thoughts, but it would be impacting us and powerful, bring depth to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to delight in your word this morning. Lord, that this would become a joyful time for all of us, uh, just seeing the way that your word is so powerful and means so much. Even just poetic illustrations on a page, because it's your word, it's more than just a poetic illustration. It is life for us. And I pray that you would help us to grasp a hold of that life in Jesus' name. 
Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers. And why I think why this hit me so much as a young man uh, was I was I was I was the class clown for lack of a better term. And uh, I was really good at doing impersonations of teachers that I had in school. And different people so when I when I read that uh, in in my 1980 whatever NIV and I read mockers and I thought oh man that's what I do sometimes I mock people it's, it's more than just an impersonation I'm mocking some characteristic um, and so that kind of struck me this is and that that's part of what mocking is but th this has a broader meaning but I'm not going to get into that right now but that's what caught my attention, and I, it stung me, and I thought, okay, th there's something to God's word, because it's speaking right to me directly. It's getting, it's getting past everything on the outside and cutting in deep. So, this, in this first verse, what we're seeing is, uh, I, I see it as like a, a progression of sin, where you have the man that's uh, walking, standing, and sitting, and so. Maybe he's walking with people that are doing a certain thing. He's not super comfortable with them, but he's getting comfortable with it to the point where he finally finds himself sitting with them or standing with them. Now we're not just passing through, not just passing ships, but now we're, we're going to be standing together, fellowshipping in that way. Not really fellowship, but you, this kind of idea of just getting comfortable, more comfortable, and then so comfortable that we find ourselves sitting in it. Now we're not moving from it, we're not walking through it, we're just, we're sitting down in it, we're comfortable in sin. Uh, that is not what the man of, uh, the blessed man is. And that word blessed is really happiness in a, a strong sense of happiness. Uh, Rob, yeah, think? I'll jump in on that happiness thing. So it begins with blessed. And that term, it's used 26 times in the Psalms. And some of the translations will translate that as, oh, the joy for the person. Oh, the joy. What, the, what a good life for the person. And I know Pat and I, we care about you. And we, we want that joy. Oh, the joy for your life if you apply this today. And it begins with saying, for the person who does not drift. In our culture, there's a lot of drifting. Do you see that? Even amongst churches, do you see that? Do you see drift? When there's not roots into God's word, there's no end as to where you can be blown away to. And so there's a drifting of, of what there's this walking. It starts off somewhat naively. If, if I was asked by someone, why, why were you walking next to that person on your way to the supermarket? It's it just coincidence. I would, might not even have said nothing to him. But 
standing next to someone, sitting in their home, okay? You're making a conscious effort there. Conscious choice um, to make your home somewhere where it shouldn't be. <laughs> when you were supposed to be sitting in God's word. And a conviction that Pat and I have that we see in our churches is we don't want to drift. And I think we have a like-mindedness about that. I know uh, we, we have folks from both of our churches that have been sitting in on the library board and different, different places in town where we say, you know what? We want to be rooted in the way, oh, the joy, oh, the joy that we want for our town and community to value God's word and to live out the way that he indicates. Do you want to say anything on that drift piece, Pat, or should I keep rolling? All right, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. So let's go here. Um, yeah, actually, I was I was done on the verse. Anything you want to? No, you already did share about the verse. Okay. <laughs> I got it figured out. First time for both of us. <laughs> we swim in an ocean of grace, don't we, as Christians? All right. Second verse. So the outline today, there's drifting in verse one. Verse two is delighting. And we see this person, oh, the joy for the person that delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. I, I see a bit of a progression there as well in that this person enjoys God's word. Have you ever been there? Seasons of your life where you just, anything you read just seems to just lighten up your soul. You just get hungry for it. It says here that the person who actually loves God's word and delights in it will do it. They'll meditate on it day and night. And... There's a commentary from Wearsby, Bible commentary, that says food and digestion to the body is just like God's word and meditating on it to the soul. And I think a lot of times we can view God's word in a way that you hire Pat and I to give it to you three, four times a month. But if you really think about the next week, when, when's the next time you're going to read a Bible verse over the next seven days? And if, you had a, if you're in small group, you just doubled your spiritual intake. If you had a daily quiet time, your spiritual intake by seven times, right? I mean, I think we both agree that three or four times a month, that doesn't get you in shape necessarily in terms of something that's important. Um, I'll share another thing too, as we see here, the law of the Lord, think about God's word. Um, this Psalm doesn't mention Jesus by name. And yet I'm not going to give a, a sermon without mentioning Jesus' name in that John 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. That Jesus was the incarnational word of God. And so 
we're not just talking about a, a textbook. We're talking about a relationship with God and with Jesus. And that is why these words are living and active. As Hebrews 4 mentions, God's word is alive because Jesus is alive. And he uses these in our lives to shape us, to cut us, to convict us. And as that verse in Hebrews closes, says that it can discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It can read you. You know that the Bible can read you. And I remember commuting to work and deciding I'm going to start listening to the Bible. And so I started listening it through on a year plan listening. And there's times I show up to work, I'd be in tears. Other times I'd show up to work, I'd listen to something in God's word and I'd actually be angry. I'd just say, God, why was I angry when I read that? It's reading me as I read a verse and say, oh God, I don't know if that was I don't think you did that right, God. Really? Well, let's have a conversation, right? Is reading me. <laughs> what does that express about my attitude? And um, so that's what I have to say about delighting in God's word. Yeah, I'm not going to add a whole lot to that because it, it, I think you, it's 100% it. It's just the idea of this being our spiritual food and uh you know, if you eat something that you really like, you tend to savor it a little bit more, mull it over, chew on it a little longer, enjoy the taste. There's pleasure in it. There's pleasure in reading God's word. It's that's why it's delightful. I mean, yeah, there's there's times where it hurts too, but there's also there's pleasure even in that. Uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on which I think the voyage of the Dawn Treader maybe where their cousin Eustace was turned into a dragon and they had he had no way to get turned back into a boy but Aslan the lion claws and scratches at his hide and he said eventually you know when he's retelling the story he said it hurt it cut deep but there was also pleasure in it because he knew that it, that part had to die and had to come off. And so God's word is sharp and it claws deep sometimes. But there's a pleasure that's also mingled with that, that because we know that that part is dying, dying off. That part that's uh, hurting and dragging us down is dying. And he doesn't leave us just with a dead, <laughs> just with a dead self. He leaves us with a new life. So the meditating on his word has a lot to do with us taking it apart, looking at why does it say that? Why is this, why is this here? This doesn't make sense to me. Don't leave it as, as just a question of it doesn't make sense to me. Think about it. Try to figure it out. Ask questions. Ask other people. What, is, what do you think this is here for? That's what Rob and I are basically doing. So, well, we cheated. We did this before in the office. We practiced. But it's that same thing. It's that idea of just let's get together. Let's talk about this. Even though we're very familiar with this passage, there's still a lot that uh, we, we kind of saw that we didn't necessarily see clearly before.
So as we move on to verse 3, it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I had a professor in college that uh, he had, I, I chose to preach on this passage. And when I got done, he said it was great. I got an A on it, which was my first A, I think, for a sermon that I had done in his class. He was really hard. <laughs> anyway, um, he said something to me, too, that I, I didn't really pick up on about this scripture. And it's that trees have seasons. So, like, I grew up in apple country, so I, I knew this very well, but it never really clicked in my head until he pointed it out to me and that was that trees have seasons where there's uh, like in the winter time there's a season of rest in the springtime there's a season of new growth uh, you see new buds shooting out uh, during uh, summertime fruits are starting to mature there's a maturity there and then there's a harvest that takes place and so if we are like a tree planted by water it's we're not we're not, that tree rests in it. It rests in that planting of where it is. It's not striving to make anything happen. It's, it's not putting effort out on its own, but it's just as a, a result of being planted in this ground that is next to this stream of living water. I had a living in there, but next to this water, it's producing. It has to produce. So as we meditate on God's word, there's a natural thing that have a supernatural production that happens, right. Right? right? What do you think, Rob? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, this tree here, we don't see the roots, but we are confident they're there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting where we're at, right? Um, and it can withstand the, the wind. It can show signs of life. And it all starts with the roots as the progression. And the opposite of that, which sometimes churches go after, is what I might call behavioralism, which means just adjust your behavior. Let's make you bad to better. And the Christian message is that we're going from dead to alive. And I remember when I was 18, I would get fed up a little bit. Uh, parents, teachers, coaches reminding me, you know, do better. Keep your room cleaner. Get better grades. <laughs> I remember one practice we were playing and I missed a shot twice in a row. My coach said, make the shot. Oh, thank you. I was wondering what I was doing out here. That's called behavioralism, right? And I remember one time telling my parents, I said, all right, I could adjust my behavior here, but I'm still miserable inside. What about my roots? What about my heart, which is the wellspring of life where everything else is coming from? Teach me what to do there, you know? And... When I heard this sermon from that pastor, I decided to start memorizing scripture. And I went on the next six months of a little personal revival, having a quiet time every day. I want to do it every day. 
I wanted to be like that tree. And in college, as I started, I'd, after classes, I'd head down to the lake and I'd have a quiet time and then I'd head to dinner. And I tell you, when I went to dinner, nothing could bring me down. Someone could budge in front of me in the, the line. And I'd just been worshiping, reading my scripture, dwelling on truth. Someone could budge in front of me and guess what my attitude was? God bless you. <laughs> You know, as good stuff was in the roots, right? The cup was being filled with living water. And so when it gets shoved, it toss out. Now, I also experience what it feels like when I'm not doing that. Someone cuts you off in traffic up in St. Paul. <laughs> Your heart says something else, right? And it's at the heart. It's at the root level. Um, and another thing I'll share in this, it's, it's out of our, our identity that we then live. It's out of that truth that we live out. And I just love how this verse ends by saying, whatever he does prospers. What a statement. What a statement. Whatever he does prospers. The middle of this psalm, it starts getting a little punchy, a little more concise, because we're getting to the main point. It says, whatever this person does prospers. And it doesn't necessarily mean prospering according to our culture, but from God's eyes, as he looks on your life, it prospers, it lasts. And sometimes time will tell, right? If something lasts and if it actually prospered or not, right? By the time you sell a stock, that's when you decide if it was profitable or not. From God's vantage point, from what really matters, the end of all days, he sees what actually prospers. And he says the person dwelling in God's word day and night is the person that prospers. Can I throw one thing in there? It's all yours. It just kind of reminded me of uh, when Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The man remains in me and I in him. He'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, he can do nothing. So there's that idea of contrasting again, right? Yeah, and that sermon I listened to at 18, he expanded on that chapter too, where he says, if my words abide in you, at one point he rephrases it, my, my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Well, you want to lead us on verse four or add any extra thoughts on the tree? Well, uh, do you want to lead us on four, or do you want me to? Um, now that I see that a big R is next to <laughs> number a big four, R next to me too. I'll uh, I'll lead that. <laughs> so verse four it says, "Not so the wicked; they are like chaff that the wind blows away." This is getting short and sweet, and in Eastern thought, Psalms often are. It goes in circles surrounding the main point. And this is the middle of it. That whatever the man does prospers. It says, not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. In other words, if you're not rooted in God's word, whatever you do and God's eyes will fail. How's that for a promise from God's word? It won't last. I bet these 10 trees over here look pretty good at certain points. 
but they're not there anymore. All of its work didn't last. Pat, you want to share your Ephesians 4 here? How did you know? <laughs> so, Ephesians 4, 14. If, so, if we're rooted in God's word, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by every cunning and craftiness of men and their dis deceitful scheming. Well, let me read, read this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So this uh, being rooted in the word of God brings security to us so that we're not tossed to and fro. If we don't, if we don't know what we believe in, then we're going to believe whatever people tell us that there's a lot of people out there nowadays professing to tell you what God's word means to you and they're just it's to gain a following it's to gain money whatever you and I have to be students of God's word we have to be rooted in it in order to survive this life that we live so that we aren't carried away and tossed to and fro like like waves so this idea of remaining in him we're able to withstand that wind whether it's the wind of doctrine that's changing when I mean, you look around all the churches that are changing their doctrine to make it more culturally acceptable to the people in their community it's just we can't The, uh, we're in heart, just about in harvest season. Some people I saw that already started. And uh, do you mind if I get into chaff a little? Yeah, go for it. So you guys all know that what chaff is, and uh, that just gets blown away. The only thing that's left that remains is that seed or that um, grain. And uh, something I just thought of this morning even was. Uh, like with a grain of wheat, we used to have wheat, wheat near one of our homes, and when you pick the heads, the wheat berry looks like it's, you just pick it off, and it's, it's there. Well, there's a little hull on the outside of it. It's not really even that visible at first until you crush it in your hand. You have to actually crush this a little bit. You have to put a little pressure on it, and then that hull comes off, and if you blow into your hand with your own breath, the hull blows away, and what remains is that little berry, but that that is very true for all of us. Our, our flesh is like that hull that needs to be crushed. It needs to die off. And what remains is there's a lot more to it. There's uh, some substance there. Anyway, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I had to, I wanted to say that. All right, so five says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the right of the righteous. So just as the hull, hull got blown away, 
by that wind. That's kind of like God's judgment. When he, he pours out judgment on the earth, what's going to remain is only those who are made righteous. That's through Jesus Christ. That's through faith. And uh, part of that growing in faith is being rooted in the Word of God. Otherwise, we don't we don't really grow. You can't grow in your faith without it. The uh, the wicked will not be able to withstand that. So you and I will will both experience judgment. Uh, the uh, the judgment of God will come upon the earth, but the righteous are not moved. We stand, and the wicked are driven away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Romans mentions that righteousness comes from faith, and faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. And I think CLW's got a great name. I mean, Faith Baptist, that's great too. We've got that represented in Romans. Faith comes from hearing, all right? But that verse ends with about the living, the word of God. And that's why we go together so well. That's right. And, um, you know, this verse mentions that it won't stand. You know, as a tree won't stand up. It, it says that the wicked will not stand. So it will fall. And Isaiah mentions that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And that verse also gets quoted in 1 Peter. And 1 Peter, before and after, adds this to it. It says that you have been born again by the living and enduring word of God. And that verse ends by saying, and this is the word being preached to you. I think that's to help them perk their ears up so that if their pastor's already been preaching for 50, uh, 27, 27 minutes, <laughs> that's to perk your ears up to say, this is the word that's being preached to you right now as you hear it right now. This living and enduring word of God that has the power to give you a new life. So that as when I was 18, that took root in my soul, it can take root in ours as well. Scripture also says the person who hears the word and does it is like someone who builds their house on solid rock person who does not do the word is like someone who builds a house on sand the same way it will not stand as this verse says but it will fall with the great crash verse six is our last verse of the day it says for the lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish those same ideas are represented it will perish it will fall it will not stand compared to being watched over by an almighty god where you will never perish right 
as John 3.16 says, but you will have eternal life. If your soul doesn't crave that, then you got to listen a little more loudly. <laughs> Someone told me this last week. we got to listen loudly to God's truth here. If we do, it'll satisfy the soul. a good picture also of just that as he's watching over us and he knows our way those that are made righteous through faith um, he is that good shepherd right watches over right. his sheep right um, he knows when we're if we're off stuck in a corner somewhere we can't get out of we got our head stuck through one square of the fence whereas Tom he's no, he knows that one we saw we had to rescue a sheep one day right so God watches over us. He notices when we're we're stuck in the fence bleeding all day, bleating, not bleeding. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> comes to the rescue. Uh, he he knows us. He knows our way. Um, and I think I'm just gonna go into a kind of a wrapping up of my thoughts on this. Yeah, I'll let sure. you take it from there. But I think uh, one of the things that stands out to me in this in the psalm is that uh, Jesus remember, he, he lived the example that we were to follow. And when Jesus, Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he defeated him with scripture every single time. All from Deuteronomy. It's not our go-to book usually when we want to study God's word, but Jesus went to it many times. And one of the things that Jesus said when he was hungry, physically hungry at the end of this, and Satan tempts him, just turn that stone into bread and dig in. Jesus said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if we if we are going to live we aren't living we aren't surviving this life on bread alone man actually I think New King James said man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God so this idea is that we we don't survive by eating I like to live like I do survive by eating every evening when it's snack time Snack time has gotten longer for me. It's over, I don't know why. It just it comes and goes in seasons. So there'll be a season where I'm good too, and I'll, I'll stop that. But this, uh, I have to remember that that's not sustaining me. I mean, it's pleasurable, but God's word is what sustains me. God's word is what gives me life. I feed my body as if that's what's keeping me alive. But if I'm feeding my spirit, I'm really concerned about what keeps me alive. It truly has to be the word of God. And I have to put that as a, a precedent in my life that I spend time in it, digging into it, so that I, I will be healthy, I will be strong, I'll be able to withstand uh, whatever life throws at me. What do you think? Yeah, uh, my closing story is just the cemetery in town, I, I think might have some of the tallest trees. I was trying to think, who's got the tallest trees in town? 
think it's over there because we can imagine there hasn't been a lot of redevelopment there. It started as a cemetery and it stayed as a cemetery. And so my home is over there. I was walking there uh, the other day, just looking at these trees next to the gravestones, thinking about this psalm about what lasts in life. And I hope that each of our lives yearns to be that tall tree, scripture mentions. I hope that each of our, I know that each of our churches yearns to be that tall tree. And, and how to apply that, I think memorizing scripture is a great way to be able to meditate it on day and night. You never know when you need it. Can you bring it to mind? what you need? Can you pull out a verse and say, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God and he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Can you pull that out at two in the morning? Right? Or can you pull that out if you had to leave and rush to the hospital? Can you pull out those verses when temptation strikes, when despair strikes, when you get angry in a relationship, can you pull out verses like that and use it in active combat when you need it? If you do, I don't think the enemy is going to want to mess with Faith Baptist or Church of the Living Word. <laughs> That's spiritual battle. The enemy likes easy pickings. He doesn't have resources to chase folks willing to fight. And I know it's been on paths in our hearts that we be churches willing to fight with God's word. At the end of the day, not just those trees in the cemetery, but I think of those lives, the family legacy of those people through the generations. God sees that whole ripple turn into a wave of someone's life. May he say of us, well done, faithful servant. May he see that we prospered in what we were called to do. I think that's a wrap. We're going to bring the worship team back up here. And after that, we're going to do some baptisms. Yes, I'll close in prayer here. Lord, as we enter the fall and as we see leaves wither and fall to the ground, as we see harvesters take out the corn, pray that we just remember what it is that lasts. May we delight that through our relationship with Jesus and through the living and enduring word of God, last in a relationship with you for all eternity. So Lord, bless this word. May it reach our ears and go down into our hearts and take deep root in Jesus' name.